Do you have a question about the Bible, theology, or apologetics that you've always wanted to ask but never felt comfortable asking? If so, we want to encourage you to head over to bellatorchristi.com and submit your question on the Submit a Question link. Your question will be reviewed and may be featured on a future article or podcast. Remember, the only dumb question is the one unasked. So go over to bellatorchristi.com now and submit your question. Taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of apologetics while taking truth into the arena of ideas. You are listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. Now join your hosts, Brian Chilton and Curtis Evelo, as we enter into the arena of ideas. Taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of Christian apologetics while taking the truth into the arena of ideas. This is the Bellator Christie Podcast. My name is Curtis Eppel and I'm joined by Brian Chilton as we answer your most pressing apologetic and theological questions of the day. Hello everyone, we've been praying for you. Hope this day finds you well and and uh, hope this uh, podcast uh, uh, finds you uh, curious and want to dig into more of this because uh, we're, today we're going to be jumping right in and talking about God's power of the day and the guy that's going to bring that... Uh, Bring the information is Brian Chilton, so let's welcome him aboard. Welcome, Brian. Hey, Curtis, and boy, I tell you what, I, I, it's it's a shame that people don't hear some of our conversations before the <laughs> podcast because we had church. I'm telling you, folks, we had church uh, before the podcast, so this should be a good podcast because we're prayed up, we're studied up, and we're ready to rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna just jump right in. Um, I know that I don't think there's any announcements that we need to do, but. Um, Let's just go ahead and jump in, because I know this is going to be a, go- uh, a good size one, a god size one. Absolutely. That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump into it, and it's, uh, the first one's going to be, what is omnipotence? Okay, so as a refresher, and uh, going back, we obviously, if you haven't had a chance to listen to our first podcast, we would encourage you to do that, because on that podcast, the first podcast, when we talk about the attributes of God, that is, we, we give kind of an overview of all the different attributes, and so we're really building off that podcast as we look through the different attributes of God. So uh, omnipotence is God's unlimited ability to do whatever is possible to do. And and uh, one such instance we found, and we wouldn't have a lot of more scriptures we're going to look at, uh, but one is found in Revelation 19.6 where the word pantocrator is used. And this word means God Almighty, uh, quite honestly. So um, it, omnipotence refers to God's unlimited power. It notes that God's power is far greater than any power imaginable. And if we really... If we really consider this, if you think of the greatest power in the universe, that's not even a drop in the bucket compared to the power of God. And so it doesn't matter what type of universal force you're talking about. Even the largest star and the, and the radiation emitted from that star would, not, would, would all pale in comparison uh, to the power of God. And so that's a lot of power when we stop to consider that. Yeah, yeah. So... To refresh our minds, what, would you explain the divine attributes of omnipotence then? Yeah, yeah. So uh, so you're talking about the biblical evidence for... Yeah. Uh, okay. So, yeah. Uh, so, in the a lot of the a lot of omnipotence, uh, or, or let me go back and say, omnipotence can often be found in the divine names of God. And uh, I don't know if I mentioned this or not, but one of the one of the most one of the most important names. In fact, I don't know that I, I added this to the list, but one of the most important names is the name Yahweh. Um, the, the name means I am what I am, or I will be what I will right. be, and and it's talking about the self uh, sustaining nature of God. That that God depends on nothing, yet everything depends on Him, and that's an important uh, attribute of our characteristic of who God is. But uh, another name for God 
is that demonstrates God's omnipotent nature is the word uh, is the title El Shaddai, which uh-huh. means God Almighty. And we have a host of different texts. So, uh, Curtis, I'll read the first one, and if you'd like to read the second one, we'll kind of alternate because we because if we're looking for biblical evidence, we want to show. And hopefully you'll see in this podcast that there are a ton of scriptural references that oh, describe it's, it's the unbelievable. Um, oh yeah, that describe the uh, omnipotent nature of God. So we already mentioned Revelation nineteen six, the term Pantocrator, God, God Almighty, omnipotent is what that means. El Shaddai in Genesis seventeen one, and listen to the word for the word Almighty God or God Almighty. That's the word El Shaddai in these texts. So Genesis 17 once says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord, the Yahweh, appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God, El Shaddai. Walk before me and be blameless. Mm. Yeah, and, and then you got Genesis 28.3. And a lot of these powerful ones are in Genesis, which is really unique. Uh, Genesis 28.3 says, may God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and, and multiply you, that you may be an assembly of peoples. Powerful text. Genesis thirty five eleven 11 uh, says, also God said to him, I am God Almighty, El Shaddai, be fruitful and multiply, a nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you and kings shall come from your body. Mm. And then you got Genesis forty three fourteen. Uh, and may God Almighty, El Shaddai, give you mercy before the man, that he may release your other brother and Benjamin. If I am bereaved, I am bereaved. Genesis 48.3 says, Then Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty, again, El Shaddai, appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. And then Genesis uh, 49, that's 24 through 25. But his bow remained in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. So El Shaddai. Absolutely. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. Uh, There's another one I was talking about. (laughs) 25. By the God of, of your father who will help you. And by the Almighty, El Shaddai, yes, who will bless you with the blessings of heaven above, blessing of the deep the, that lies beneath, blessings of the breasts of the womb, or breast and of the womb. Exodus 6.3 says, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty, but by oh, yeah. my name, Yahweh, the self-existent one, I was not known to them. So amazingly, they they, they knew uh, they knew God as El Shaddai, but not as Yahweh. So, so these passages of Scripture describe the transcendent divine power that acts in the interests of God's covenant people. So, just just to think, amazing as it is, and Curtis, you have a passage of Scripture that you found that we'll, we'll mention as well that uh, that the power of God preserves His people. You've got omnipotence fighting on your side and that's powerful to consider yeah 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 that's that's uh that's a good one i'm sure we'll probably cover that one in a little bit right absolutely here's here's another one here's another title yasha both uh we're reading from the csb on these scriptures uh but it talks about god the king or the king omnipotent so uh, God the King is surrounded by a host of angels, holds authority over these angels. And it's interesting to consider in the book of Revelation, also in Ezekiel and Isaiah, we find this as well, that you see the seraph uh, or the seraphim as the plural. Uh, they're, they're these, these angels are interesting. They are like fiery serpents. Uh, mm-hmm. Very fascinating creatures, powerful. Then you find the cherub or the plural would be cherubim, and these are now a lot of times Hallmark cards present cherubim or cherub as being <laughs> these naked winged angel babies. <laughs> but, but these guys aren't anything like naked winged angel babies. These are some weird looking critters. That, that's how we say it here in North Carolina, critters. I don't know if that. <laughs> but but you know you're talking about a four faced powerful angel. 
But the amazing thing, there are all these different divisions and kinds of angels, but even still, God is over them all and holds authority over them all. So, so, so look and listen as we read these, these texts for the uh, name uh, King of Glory uh, or the Lord of Armies, it may be come about. So Psalm 2410, who is he, this King of Glory, the Lord of Armies, the Yasha both, uh, he is the King of Glory. Mm. And you got Isaiah uh, 2 and 5. For a day belonging to the Lord of armies is coming against all that is proud and lofty. Against all that is lifted up, it will be humbled. Whoo! Man, that'll wow. preach. <laughs> yeah. Isaiah 8.13, you are to regard the Lord of armies, the Yashaboth, uh, is coming out against all that is proud and lofty. Look. I think I've skipped down. I'm sorry. You regard the Lord of armies, Yahshua, both as holy. Only he should be feared. Only he should be held in awe. Yeah. Yeah. And you think about that. Go back up to that Isaiah 2, 5, and it says, it will be humbled. And you think about it. When when God, when when man lifts themselves up, God brings them low. Ooh. And I, I'm, I'm just saying, I with this uh, omnipotence and, and the power that's there, I'm not sure you want to be brought low by God. So, so this is a you brought up a very important point that that people are on on either one or one side of God's omnipotence or the other. They're either they're either having God fight for them, being in the state of grace, or they're having God fight against them, being in the state of wrath. So, when we talk about in Deuteronomy the blessings and curses of God. The blessings of God to find favor. That's why Jesus uses the word makarios in the Sermon on the Mount. I wasn't even prepared to talk about this. This is a Holy Spirit thing. Blessed are you when you are persecuted. Blessed are you when these things happen. What he's saying is you're blessed because you have the power of God fighting your cause. You're blessed because you find the favor of God. But if you're cursed, you're going to find omnipotence fighting against you. And that is not a good place to be. Yeah. So Jeremiah forty six eighteen. Uh as I live, this is the king's declaration. The Lord of armies is his name. The mm. king of Babylon will come like Tabor among the mountains, and like Carmel by the sea. Malachi one fourteen, the deceiver is cursed, who has made an acceptable male in his flock and makes a vow but sacrifices a defective animal to the Lord. I, for I am a great king, says the Lord of army, armies, Yahshua both, and my name will be feared among the nations. So here again we see God, the king of everything, the king of angels, the king of the earth, the king of the universe, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also see another term used in the scripture for God, the, the term abhir, or abhir, I, I may be massacring it, but it means strong one. So, for instance, in Genesis forty nine twenty four, yet his bow remained steady, and his strong arms were made agile by the hands of the mighty one, uh, the up here uh, of Jacob, by the name of the shepherd, the rock of Israel. So, the mighty one be looking for that uh, that title through these scriptures. There's another picture again. Absolutely, um, Psalm one thirty two uh, two through five. And how he swore an oath to the Lord, making a vow to the Mighty One up here, one of Jacob. Three, I will not enter my house or get into my bed. Number four, I will not allow my eyes to sleep or my eyelids to slumber. Five, verse five, until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling for the Mighty One of Jacob. Amen. Isaiah one twenty four. Therefore, the Lord God of armies, the mighty one up here of Israel, declares, Ah, I will get even with my foes. I will take revenge against my enemies. There again, it's not good to be on the bad side of God. Right. Isaiah forty nine twenty six, uh, verse twenty six. I will make your oppressors eat their own flesh, oh, and they will be drunk with their own blood, as with sweet wine. Then all humanity will know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. There again, folks. Mm -hmm. 
Better be getting right with the Lord. I'm just going to tell you, there's a lot of things going on this year. Better be getting right. Isaiah 60, 16. You will nurse on the milk of nations and nurse at the breast of kings. You will know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and Redeemer, the Mighty One up here of, of Jacob. So here again, we see the strength of God um, coming forth. Now, there's another title used of God which illustrates His omnipotence, the El Gabor. I like this term, El Gabor. Uh, yeah. the, the the mighty one, the mighty God, and so uh, th- this may sound. I mean, in the English translations, it sounds very similar to the uh, verses we just read, but uh, in this case, it's El Gabor, El Gabor the mighty one. Uh, it's almost as if uh, uh, God is a hero to His people, like a like a superhero. Except we're not talking about a man-made fiction. We're talking about the actual God of creation being this right. mighty warrior fighting the cause for His people. So in Isaiah nine six, interestingly, this prophecy given about the Messiah, and I do believe this is a, a, a messianic uh, prophecy. It says, "For a child will be born to us." A son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, El Gabor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Yeah, that's powerful. And one thing I want to point out in Isaiah 9, 6, um, when we read that, I want you to pay attention. All of our listeners, I want you to pay attention to this. This is something that's important. Listen to verse 6. It says, For a child will be born for us, a son will be given. Mm. So, God's giving the son, but a child is being born through that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, Jeremiah twenty eleven. Uh, but the Lord is with me like a violent warrior. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. Since they have not succeeded, they will be utterly shamed and everlasting everlasting humiliation that will never be forgotten. Okay, in this case, the the El Gabor is found in the the violent warrior, the mighty warrior in the text. So that's where you find the El Gabor in that passage Mm -hmm. of Scripture. El Gabor, yeah. Also, we find God is listed as a rock, uh, a sure foundation. We see this in Isaiah thirty twenty nine. Your singing will be like that on the night of a holy festival, and your heart will rejoice like one who walks to the music of a flute, going up to the mountain of the Lord, the Yahweh, to the rock of Israel, the anchor of Israel. And so uh, there's another title here called El Hay. Uh, this means uh, the living God. Uh, this is this is a power that God exudes over creation, and uh, so we see that God is a living God. Uh, uh, so First Samuel seventeen twenty six, and then verse thirty six, David spoke to the men who were standing with him, saying, "What will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Just who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So the living God." Is, is found there. Uh, verse 36, Your servant has killed lions and bears. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. So recognizing the fact that God is all-powerful, he's living, he's the one who gives life, and he's the one who can take away life. Mm. Yeah, that's powerful. Second Kings uh, 19.4 and 19.16. Uh, uh, verse 4, Perhaps the Lord, your God, will hear all the words of the royal spokesman. Whom is his master, the king of Assyria, sent to mock the living God? And will rebuke him for the words that the Lord, your God, has heard. Therefore, offer a prayer for the surviving remnant. Uh, Verse 16, listen closely. Lord, and hear. Open your eyes. Lord, and see. Hear the words that Sennacherib has sent to mock the living God. Oh, hey. Mm. Psalm eighteen forty six. The Lord lives. Blessed be my rock. The God of my salvation uh, is is exalted. So there again, the Lord lives. So showing the living aspect of God. Yeah. And then Jeremiah twenty three uh, thirty six. It says, "But no longer refer to the burden of the Lord, for each man's word becomes his burden." Uh, hey, 
reject that again for each man's word becomes his burden and you pervert the words of the living god el hey the lord of armies our god mm. daniel six twenty and also verse 26 state when he reached the den he cried out in anguish to daniel daniel servant of the living god el hey the king said has your god whom you continually served serve been able to rescue rescue you from the lions and he says in verse 26, I issue a decree that in all my royal dominion people must tremble for fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, el Hay, and he endures forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed, and his dominion has no end. So he recognizes here that, yeah. that all of his idols that he had been worshiping are impotent. They have no power of themselves. But this God, this God whom Daniel serves, this is a living God. This is a real deal. And so you found yeah. some additional passages of Scripture. While while they don't necessarily have the divine titles in these passages of Scripture, they're further evidence of the fact that God is shown to be omnipotent throughout Scripture. So right. um, I'll be looking. i tell you what, if you want to read the first Scripture, I'll be flipping over to the second one. Okay. Yeah, so the first one we'll jump into. It's Hebrews 1. Uh, one three, and this is this is the writer of Hebrews talking about God's power and its raw power. So here's here's uh, Hebrews one, verse three. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his persons, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high. And that, and that picture of sitting down, meaning it's finished, mm. it is done. And when a, when a king would sit down, it would be done. Absolutely. Amen. Be final. Yeah. So that power, that rawness of power, and everything that he's holding together, right, as he's sitting down as king, he's sitting down stating it is finished. It is done. Colossians 1.17. This is interesting because uh, this is part of an early creed uh, that dates back to the earliest church. I mean, this is this is uh, uh, the Colossians Creed we find here that goes back to verse 15, talking about Christ being the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. But verse 17 says, He is before all things, and by Him all things hold together. So this shows not only the eternal nature of God, but it also shows the fact that, that God holds everything together, that if God were to take his hand off of creation, then everything would fly apart at the seams. Right, and if you go back, if you, if you kind of piggyback that over the Hebrews, when, when, you, when you see where he's sitting down, that means he's not working at it. Mm. it. It's not work for God to hold our lives together. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it's, it's, uh, he, he's, he's done. It's done, and it's held together. Period. So, impressive. Uh, the next one I found was uh, Revelation seventeen seventeen, and this is powerful because this is all about God's timing, and and I think this is something that's really important that we understand in today's culture is this is God's timing. It says seventeen seventeen says, for God has put into their hearts to fulfill His purpose, to be of one mind, and to give their kingdom to the beast until. The words of God are fulfilled. Amen. Yeah. Romans nine eighteen is another one you found, and and this this one is going to be very interesting. Uh, so I'll go ahead and read it, and it says, it says uh, um, so then he has mercy. Talking about God, he has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy, and he hardens whom he wants to harden. And this is talking about going back and looking at the issue of Pharaoh and Moses. And um, so, you you mentioned something prior to the podcast, before the podcast, about this verse. Yeah, kind of. Uh, I'm almost kind of like the Calvinist heyday um, <laughs> scripture. It's something that the Calvinists hold to as. See, this is this is uh, this is something where um, he, he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna save those he wants to save, and harden those he wants to harden. But I, I would argue, being a Molinist, that, that I don't think it necessarily has to be that way. Uh, 
because I, I, I was told Spurgeon said this, and it's possible that it came from a Puritan, so it may be that many people said this. But, uh, but, and I think I even heard someone say that Thomas Aquinas said this. I don't know really that where this began, but someone makes, we'll just say someone makes the point that the same sun that melts butter also hardens clay. So I, I think you could say, I think even with Pharaoh, if you look back at the story, God said, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. But then if you look what happens and transpires, God shows grace by, by, by uh, taking away the, the, the judgment for a period of time, which when God applies grace, Pharaoh, the Bible says, hardened his own heart towards God. So God giving grace to people, the grace given to some people are going to soften some hearts or that grace is going to harden some hearts. Now, God knows the response we're going to make. And and one a person could say, well, yeah, God still chose to make the person who you didn't know wouldn't do it. But there's still that element of free will, you know, right. and all that. So I think the Molinist has a good option here to say that by God's middle knowledge, um, God knowing what people would freely, how people would freely respond in advance, not just because he foreknows the future, but because he foreknows the person in his totality, God can still arrange by placing people in certain points in time, at certain places, at certain times, for certain reasons. So even us together, Curtis, doing this podcast, God designed from eternity past, even though we both had the freedom to choose to do this podcast or not to do this podcast, God knew from eternity past that this podcast would exist. Talking right. about this very thing. Right. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's something um, vitally important to understand is it's it was Pharaoh's rejection of God's grace that hardened his heart, and as it hardened his heart, that that grace uh, made it even harder, made it more. Absolutely. So, but one thing I one thing that I think is pretty good is it, one another one that I found was uh, Psalm thirty three. Uh, 33.9, and I'll just read it, and I know it ties into, or it can tie into some other scripture that we found too, but it, it's 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 powerful here. For Psalm 33.9, for he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. And that's powerful, because it ties into Genesis uh, Genesis 1.1 and Genesis 1.3. Absolutely. I mean, you, you, when you think about the creative power of God, God brought everything into existence. He designed everything. He 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 gave everything structure. Uh, you know, Socrates and Plato would say that God created. Uh, and even Basil Caesarea, I wrote a paper about this not long ago. He has an interesting take on this, saying that the Father the Father uh, designed all the transcendent truths, all of the um, metaphysical realities behind everything, drew the blueprints, and the Son spoke them, I mean, he brought them forth into existence, the Lagos, so to speak. So this triune God is working together to bring all of this stuff to, to fruition. Uh, however you work that out, it, it, it's amazing to consider that God speaks, God brings it forth, everything there is to know from 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 mathematical equations to scientific laws of nature to logic itself, it all came from God. He brought it forth into existence, which shows yeah. the mighty power of God. Yeah, and, and I can't help but think that you know, for years we hadn't been thinking of some of the stuff that God has allowed us or let us has revealed to us, or allowed maybe a little seep of that knowledge to come out, and for us to then take a hold of that and actually start developing and understanding deeper and deeper and deeper thoughts of God. Well, I mean, even the wisest, smartest person in creation can't even tie the shoelace of God's wisdom. Uh, I, I mean, really. I, it's, yeah. <laughs> so our wisest minds are not even a drop in the bucket to the wisdom of God or, or the power of God. Uh, right. It's, it's, I mean, we, we were rocked here in North Carolina. You probably heard about it last week uh, or actually this past Sunday with, uh, with a 5.1 magnitude earthquake. Uh, that hit Sparta, North Carolina, about 15 miles or so uh, northwest of where we are. And, uh, I mean, I'm going to tell you that this place was rattling. 
you know, it, it was I've never gone through anything like that, and I know that's probably nothing compared to what uh, the earthquakes that's experienced in in you know in the West, especially in California and Washington and Oregon. I, I don't think I want to experience that right. going right. through yeah. that. Um, I mean, it it left it left a a crack in a major highway wide enough that you could put your foot in the crack. It split that far. Um, But it's amazing to think as powerful as that earthquake is. And by the way, it's not only happening here. My son and I were looking at uh, a weather app. There are earthquakes happening all over the world right now. California is getting rocked all across the western seaboard. From Alaska down to California, there's earthquakes going on out there. Not exactly sure what's going on. It's all over the world we see this taking place. Um, yes. Well, that's uh, kind of dipping into scripture there, buddy. It's, uh, Amen. You know, your wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes. And <laughs> I mean, it's it's um, it's as we were talking, rocking and rolling. I mean, it was literally rocking and rolling here. I mean, not only here, but across the world. But we yeah. see that even the greatest earthquake doesn't even, it all pales in comparison to the power of God. Uh, at God's command, mountains could be raised, uh, raised up, uh, or... or um, or A-I-S-E-D, or mountains could be raised, R-A-Z-E-D, level to the ground at God's command. So uh, this is amazing. And this brings us to Matthew 19, 26, where Jesus says, um, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And and yeah. how true that is. Yeah, very true. And and so I think we'll end here, though, with the, with the scriptures that we found here. Um, 1 Peter... First Peter um, one five, this is something that's powerful. First Peter one five, verse five. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Mm. God's all powerful, all all uh, all knowing, and holds us together. And remember, like the picture that was given earlier. In Hebrews, he was seated down. That means it's done. So he's not having to work to hold our lives together. The amazing thing about that as well is is the power of God that we find there is is providing us this assurance, is 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 sealing us, so to speak, in this yeah. regard. That is an amazing thing to consider. Yeah, and nobody can open that seal. Amen. Woo. Yeah, yeah, buddy. <laughs> so uh, let's move on to the questions here. Now, question three: uh, Does uh, omnipotence infer that God can do anything? Well, no, not necessarily. God cannot do. There are certain things that we find in Scripture that God can't do, and we're going to talk a little bit about the moral impossibilities of God. God, yeah. God, like God can't tell a lie. We see this in Titus one two. Uh, God can't swear by a name higher than His own. Why? Because there's not a name higher than His own. Right. So, it's 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 unrealistic to expect God to do the logically impossible because we find that God is a God of or, order, uh, not a God of chaos. So things work in a logical fashion with God. So um, Scripture indicates this fact. Logical reasoning is something that emanates from the very character of God. So we wouldn't ask God or we wouldn't consider that God would make a married bachelor. If you're married, you're not a bachelor. A bachelor is a single person. So if you're right. a bachelor, you can't be married. So it's, imp- it's an impossibility to make a married bachelor, just as it is an impossibility to make a squared circle. If it's squared, it's not a circle. If it's a circle, it's not a square. So, um, or, or for instance, I think it's a logical impossibility to consider that God would allow people to have free choice or free will and remove all bad decisions. Well, if you removed all bad decisions, then a person wouldn't have the freedom to make a certain choice because uh, they would be confined to do one certain way. So... Um, these are logical impossibilities, and I, I, and so when we say God has the power to do all things, we're not talking about doing ludicrous things like making a married bachelor or or something of that sort. Or or 
making a rock so big he couldn't lift. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think that's one thing that we'll talk about here in, here in a moment. And I think there's there's even a problem with, well, in fact, we can go ahead and handle it now. Yes, yeah, let's, um, let's go ahead and go into that one, yeah. Uh, there, there are problems. So the question is asked: Can God, can God make a uh, rock so heavy that he can't lift it? Well, the problem's twofold in that regard. Number one, um, the question poses a, a misunderstanding of omnipotence. When we say God is omnipotent, that means he has all power. It means he has unlimited power. So if you ask the question, if you consider the fact that if you if you ask this question about an omnipotent God and then and then say suppose that there is a rock too heavy for an omnipotent God to, to lift, then you're misunderstanding what omnipotence means. It's causing that logical um, it's, it's logical inconsistency or logically incoherent. So if you're saying a being is omnipotent, you're saying that there is no limit to that person's power, which the whole concept of a rock too heavy for an omnipotent God makes no sense. So it's nonsensical. Yeah, it's out of the picture. Yeah. yeah. And on the other hand, yeah. the, the question poses a logical impossibility. As we just mentioned, it would be to say, to claim that God could make a rock so heavy that he couldn't lift it would be like saying God could make a rectangular triangle. A triangle has three points, a rectangle has four points. There again, it's a logical impossibility, and so the question really becomes nonsensical. Yeah, yeah, and I guess, I guess some of that could that also be classified as um, a straw man? I guess, kind of, you know, taking a taking a punch at something that that really is is uh, clearly false, but building a false idea of what omnipotence is I, I think you could argue that i think you really could i think you could also say that they're making a categorical mistake in some of this because uh, they're categorically misplacing the idea of omnipotence so um, mm. th- the question is designed to fail quite honestly so i, I don't think um I, I think there are probably a lot many logical fallacies you could add there but yeah i think a strong man is very possible uh, that you could most possibly say that it is. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, number five, uh, can God act in a manner against his moral nature? If he can't, is God truly omnipotent? Okay, so it, it, this is a question that is sometimes posed, can God do evil? And this kind of goes in with his moral nature. Titus mm-hmm. 1-2 serves as a good proof text for us. Because in, in this text it says it's impossible for God to lie. I think it's the one also says that God can't swear by a name higher than his own. Um, I may be wrong about the second one, but Titus 1-2 definitely states that God, it's impossible for God to lie. And the reason is, is that God is truth. Uh, God speaks truth. And also we see in 1 John 1-5, God is light, and in him there's no darkness found. So it's impossible for God to do evil. James chapter 1 tells us it's impossible for God to tempt us to do evil because God is good. God is pure. God never tempts someone. But sometimes by God's permissive will, he may allow uh, certain things to transpire to bring forth judgment and so the question is asked, is, is that not evil? And I would say no, I don't think it's evil. I think it's part of God's just holy nature. Uh, sometimes he may allow bad things to take place and transpire because to, to bring forth a greater good in the end. And so, But this is not a limitation on God's power. This, this is coming from God's own moral nature. So um, God has the potential to do all things, but by God's moral nature, uh, God is not going to make certain decisions or do certain things because it would be a logically impossibility. If someone is all good and all truth, then it would be a logical impossibility for that person to lie or to do evil. So with these verses, we can also say God will not lie. God will not do something evil. God will not tempt a person to do something evil. And ultimately, God is the ultimate good. Right. God will not because he cannot. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
So number six, uh, if God is all powerful and all loving, then why doesn't He use His power to eradicate evil? And this this is a question that's often uh, posed when talking about the omnipotence of God. Um, it really goes into the whole aspect of the problem of evil. Um, and so I, I think that the answer is multifaceted. And so I'll give four responses to this. Number one, I think um, no, that God values the freedom of people. So if God permits free will, then God must allow the possibility that people will choose to do bad things. So if God keeps people from doing bad things then he'd have to remove the freedom of the person to do certain things. Now, does that mean that God can't or won't interject? Of course he can and he will. Why doesn't God interject all the time? I don't know. Um, I'm afraid I can't answer that. I do believe that God uh, brings all things to a certain end. I I don't know why God allows certain evils to transpire, but I believe in the goodness of God, so I believe that there's something he's doing through this uh, to to bring some ultimate good, whatever that may be. And we may never know on this side of eternity what that might be. Um, uh, yeah, we, 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 had a, we had a brief uh, moment about, on a podcast about, um, about a video clip, or not a video clip, but a, a picture that a guy had on uh, a Facebook, uh, a comment um, about how, you know, that, that little girl was being attacked by a dog and uh, her brother stepped in and and basically took the took the dog's wrath for her. And we didn't we we, we were we were discussing how um, how could how could a loving God allow that to happen or why I'm glad you know God had this little boy in his sister's path to take to take the hit for uh, for his sister because God was too busy doing that and I, and I Part of that bothers me because of the way the way it was phrased. But the other part of it is, we don't know the ripple effect mm. of, of what's going to happen as that goes forward. We don't know who who that affected in a in a turn of events leading back to God. Absolutely, and and, and th- this this becomes one of the more difficult areas of ap- apologetics and theology. To understand, because ultimately the answer is found in, in the good nature of God. I don't think we're going to have all those answers on this side of eternity, because right. um, I, I don't think that we could. That there are things that are taking place even now as we speak that we don't know and couldn't comprehend. So ultimately, we have to either come to the point that we're going to trust God's good nature to bring forth something good in the end. Or, or not, and so that's where really the issue of faith, our trust and dependency in God, really comes to play. But, but then we also mentioned this as well: the the reason for God's allowance and the emphasis God places on human freedom is the whole idea of love. For, for love to exist, uh, you have to have a lover. You have to have the beloved, the recipient of love, and then you have to have the free spirit of love between the two parties. For love to exist. Secondly, so first of all, we could say free will. Secondly, we see the age of grace versus the age of judgment. Uh, we're now in the age of grace. Okay, this is a time where God allows people to respond to the gospel call. But everyone needs to take notice. This is limited. This isn't going to last forever. Um. The world will eventually enter into a time of judgment. Okay, and we could go into a lot talking about what this day of judgment is going to be. I, we were talking about this before the podcast. I believe that I believe the time frame of tribulation is God's wrath being poured out upon the earth. Um, and, and we we could go in. In fact, maybe we need to do a podcast on that on a future podcast on that. Um, but but the point we have to understand is now we're in the age of grace. But eventually, that switch is going to flip, and then we'll enter into the age of judgment. And when it does, there's no turning back. Okay, so what we have to understand is that now we're we're, we're under the patience of God. God is very patient. God is kind, and the only reason why we haven't entered into the age of judgment yet is because there are more souls to enter the kingdom. We don't know who those are, 
but yep. God does. And so yeah. when that flip when that switch is flipped, understand we're going into a new new time frame as it pertains to God's relationship with the world. And so um, we better be, and that that's one of the reasons why I wrote that article. And, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't be involved in politics. Yes, I am very concerned about the things going on in our nation. I'm very conservative in my beliefs politically. Uh, but at the same time, I believe wholeheartedly that we need to be emphasizing the gospel because we don't know how much time we have left until that switch is flipped. Right. Yeah. Let's get out and find the last guy. Absolutely. <laughs> and amen. And thirdly, the continual restoration and stripping of demonic power. God, we think that God's not doing anything, but I think that's I think that's very wrong. I think if you look at the major themes of Scripture from Genesis all the way to Revelation, you see that God is moving in the world progressively to strip the authority of Satan away from him, to strip the power of Satan away from him. God is working to eradicate evil even now as we speak and while still accepting repentance. So God is often working behind the scenes in ways that we don't know. Um, but he's still giving people opportunity to respond to that gospel call. And then finally, we, we can look at the parousia, uh, or the calling out of the church at the, at the coming of Christ, and eschatology. At some point, Christ is going to return. Better be ready, folks. Quite honestly, that's what my wife said tonight as we were looking at that graphic showing the earthquakes going on around the earth. My wife, Jennifer, says, with almost with a tear in her eyes, says, People better be getting their hearts right because the timing of the Lord's coming is very soon. And I think she's absolutely right. So God's judgment is going to come upon the earth. Uh, so a new heaven and earth will be established for the people of God, which as beautiful as this creation is, not a drop in the bucket compared to the new heaven and new earth. Uh, Amen. You talk about some beauty, boy, there's going to be some big time beauty with that new creation we have coming for the people of God. But then there'll be a lake of fire reserved for eternal judgment for those who don't uh, don't turn to God. They, they live in a continual, perpetual state of re- rejection, of rebellion. That place is not intended for people, but that's, that's where such a person will, will come. So eventually, all that's to be said is that God is working to eradicate evil. Just because we haven't seen it yet doesn't mean we won't. So, uh, but in reality, we need to be working hard for Christ because we don't know how much longer we don't know how long we have left before we enter into that age of judgment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, I, I sit and I, I think about the question that we get not often, but every now and again, and it's like, so you're saying that that a loving God is is going to send people to hell, and it's like, no, what you what you read there is those that are unrepentant those Mm. that don't want god don't want god here they're not going to want to be with god there and and i really believe that when when the time comes and people stand before god they're going to see all the different ways that god tried to reach them in their lives uh, yeah, that's powerful. They're going to see all the. It's it's kind of like the 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 old. It's a preacher joke, so it may it's kind of corny, maybe. But uh, it's the story of this guy who was caught in this flood, and the floodwaters came, and people were warning mm-hmm. him, saying, "You you need to go to higher right. ground." And he says, "No, no, God's going to save me." And the water started coming up, and so uh, there was a uh, 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 an ambulance came down the street, just had enough time. Says, "You need to get out of here. The floodwaters are coming." And he says, "No, God's going to save me." Well, the waters got up to the roof line, and so there was a boat coming down, and he says, jump in the boat, we're coming to save you. And he says, no, no, I'm waiting for God to save me. The waters got up even higher, and a helicopter comes down and lifts down a a, a ladder, a rope for him to to come aboard. And he says, no, no, I'm waiting for God to save me. Well, later the guy drowns, he gets to heaven, and he says, well, God, why didn't you save me? And God says to the man, well, you big dummy, I sent three or four ways to rescue you. Why didn't you take one of them? Yeah. So I think in all honesty, we, we, t- we ask the question, why does God send people to, to send people to hell? But when in reality, the person actually sends themselves to hell. Right. Uh, right. Because God is, is actively seeking to save the lost, but it 
I th- I honestly think, and this is going to sound weird, I honestly think it's more difficult to go to hell than it is to heaven because you yeah. have to consistently reject the grace of God given over uh, to you to, to end up in hell. Powerful. You know, here's the funny side. Of, here's the funny side how my brain's working. As you're telling that story, I'm thinking of the movie Bruce Almighty when he's telling <laughs> him to turn turn left and turn left, and he's like, "Show me a sign. Just give me a sign." <laughs> he's walking by these signs and then gets smacked by that semi truck. That's funny to me. But <laughs> yeah, that's 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 how my mind was working right there. Where you were saying that, I know it might not be that biblical, but whatever. Hey, you're still good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, number seven, uh, how should uh, divine omnipotence affect the believer's devotional life? So, and, and Curtis, you may want to add a bunch more to this. I, I was uh, working on this some this afternoon, just a little bit, and um, I came up with three. Uh, one, I think that... Um, when we understand God's omnipotence, especially when correlated with God's good moral nature, we should find a sense of peace. Mm-hmm. Um, one, knowing that God is working to eradicate evil. Um, the injustices that happen now will will be will pay, be paid in full in eternity. So, my wife and I watched a special on um, on I believe it was Lifetime about uh, Jeffrey Epstein and that is one sick cookie I'm telling you yeah uh, one messed up dude one messed up guy and and you and you hear the testimonies of all these women who were abused by Epstein and then he 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 doesn't even go to trial he commits suicide or perhaps was murdered we don't know what happened to the man uh, there's there's a lot of varying theories about what happened to him uh, but whatever the case may be, the reality is, is he never stood in a court of law and was was rightly judged. And so some people may think, well, he got off, he, he got the easy way out. I even heard one lady say that he's always, he's always winning. It seems like he's always won. Even now he's won. And I'm thinking to myself in the back of my mind, uh-uh. Not not if you believe not if you have an eternal perspective. Right. Because now he's standing before right. God. Right. The ultimate judge. Right. And God don't take bribes. <laughs> right. And that's and that's something that's superbly powerful when we consider it because let's let's go back to why Bellator Christi is there. Hmm. We we give a a defense for the faith of Christianity against those that are opposite of Christianity so an atheist view what justice what security and peace and and does does atheism offer those those girls or those women that Epstein was involved with absolutely nothing nothing. yeah absolutely nothing the only justice they were hoping for is what they could get is justice on this earth And, and but a Christian perspective a christian worldview those people don't get off everyone stands before the living god and and mind you let's let's focus on that word the living god Mm. he's he's not he's not some has been not some was been it's not it's not it, it he's the living god the reigning king he's sitting down like in hebrews sitting down at the right hand of the god right hand of god so it is finished, it is done, and Epstein will sit in judgment from the Lord. And, and listen, let's not forget one of the uh, images given of God, which is both a positive and a negative sign, that God is a consuming fire. Uh, yeah. Now, if we are consumed with the Holy Spirit, with that indwelling Holy Spirit, so it's, it's kind of like what Frank Turk has said before, fire can be very beneficial or it can be destructive. Right. Right. When it's in a fire pit or if it's in a grill, it can be very constructive. Or if it's in a fireplace, it can be very constructive because it provides heat. It will cook food. But if you get that fire loose on a dry soil around grass or trees or hay or straw and you let that wildfire develop, 
it is very destructive. Well, I think that we see in Scripture that God is a consuming fire. And so if you are right with God, that fire consumes you, it purifies you, it, through the Holy Spirit makes you right with God so that you can boldly go before the throne of God. Uh-huh. Yet, if you find yourself on the other side of that consuming fire, as I believe it's in Hebrew says, it is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. God. Yeah. Yeah, the consuming fire. Yeah, consuming and you know, fire. Is, you know what, how, does, how, does, how does a uh, jeweler purify the gold that he's using to uh, make beautiful jewelry? He, he's, he's using fire. Absolutely. He's, so he's burning off the dross. And it says that in Scripture, it tells us that that's how God works things through in our lives, is is by that consuming fire, um, he's working all those things out of us to purify us, to make us holy, make us that holy nation that he's called us to be. And, and I think that's another another aspect of, uh, of his omnipotence that provides us peace as well, knowing that he's working all these things out for good. So, Yeah, um, yeah, and, it, and, and I think that's where... Christian believers can have that um, when people ask, how are you getting through this? How are you able to get through this? It's the comfort of knowing that God, even though he's a consuming fire and he's burning all this off of us, he, he still holds us together. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. And even second thing, maybe you could say prayerfulness uh, you know, we, we, we can just to think that God is fighting on our behalf so we can pray to be used by God. We can pray for God's power to be shown in our lives. And we can even pray for the needs of our family and for the lost and understand that when we pray, we have omnipotence on our side. We may not be able to bring about certain things. But that doesn't mean God can't. We may be hurt, and so we may want to hold on to the grudges, but I found a powerful truth in my life. If you give it over to God, God will take care of it. It, it may not be immediately, but God will take care of it. And, and so in due time, give it over to the Lord and watch Him work. It's an amazing thing to see uh, omnipotence at work. Yeah, well, it also, it also like there again, it purifies our heart. It, it it allows God to work that out of our lives, but yet we're able to see Him working through and knowing that that He's got this. Absolutely. That He has got this. Uh, he's got what our concerns are, the family members we're concerned about, those things. And it's not that we're not to do our part, but we pray and we act, and mm-hmm. that, that's scriptural. Um, we we walk alongside as with God as as He's calling us to do more. It's purifying us and making our hearts right by seeing this work out in others' lives. That, that's a very good point. So you know, so as you say, you know, as as we're praying and God's moving us, uh, we're working and we're we're doing these things that God's called us to do, and and. Um, it's just amazing. That's why Romans eight, uh, thirty one is such a powerful verse in my life. It's my life verse. Uh, I tell everybody it's my life verse because it was easy to remember. But but there's so much truth to it to, that if God is for us, who can be against us? Yeah. And it's an amazing thing to consider that God is. If we have omnipotence fighting for us, preserving us, and keeping us, then what then what weapon formed against us really will prosper? I mean nothing. Right. If we really consider right. that. Right, and go back to what we had talked about earlier. Those that are against God, absolutely. Those that are, those that are walking against God, hey, who 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 can be? If God is not for you, who is against you? Well, it's God. Yeah, yeah, that, that's exactly right. So, so that text also is is true in its opposition. Uh, so, if God if God is for you, who can be against you? That's true. Nobody can be. But if God is against you, who can be for you? Right. You know, nobody. So, nobody. <laughs> so, yeah. It all comes down to our walk with Christ, our walk with God, and, and where we stand. Right. And then one, right. one last quick thing and uh, pertaining to how omnipotence should affect us. 
knowing especially the fact that we're living in the age of grace, moving to the age of, of judgment, we should desire to see souls saved. Um, we must have a sense of urgency as we don't know how long it is until Christ returns. There are powers at work in the nation. And again, I'm not a political person, but let's just shoot straight. There are powers working in our nation where we may not have the opportunity to to, to publicly uh, do some of the things we're doing now. So while we have the opportunity to do so, we need to be getting the gospel message out there and letting people know that there's a God that loves them, there's a Christ that died for them, and there's a, there's a spirit that wants to fill them. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think some of the biggest things that we could, or another one of the bigger things that we could focus on, is is the security, Amen. the security have with God, with the omnipotence, and with the with the knowledge of knowing that He's got us, He's yeah. holding us, and all of our lives, every last one of us, and and this is something that we talked about earlier, Brian, that off air that was that blew my mind just blows my mind is that a God that is of all of the universe that's holding all the universe together still cares about little old me mm, amen and and wants to be have a have a relationship with me and holds my life together and and, and he's asking me to engage with him in his work in his kingdom work and that's what we're doing here at Bellator Christie Amen. We're engaging with God at, as his, at His at His work at, at what He's doing is bringing those to Him. So, Brian, it's been a good one, and uh, I think uh, we can close this one off by saying, uh, "God's all powerful." Amen, brother. Yeah, <laughs> buddy. So, we here at Bellator Christie want to thank you for spending the time together with us, and we value that time. Our prayer is that this podcast helps stretch your mind as a place to strengthen your faith as we strive to create an atmosphere of discussion and as a reliable source of information. Join us next time on the Bellator Christie Podcast. And until next time, Brian and I say, Soldier so on, friends. listening to the Bellator Christie podcast brought to you by bellatorchristie.com the opinions of our guests represent their own and may not reflect those of Bellator Christie Ministries or its affiliates the Bellator Christie podcast and bellatorchristie.com are protected under creative commons copyright all rights reserved the opening theme is the song crucified written by John and Michaela Limanis performed by Crosby Lane and produced by Mansion Entertainment be sure to visit our YouTube page at www.youtube.com forward slash Bellator Christie. Also, please consider leaving a positive review on the apps where this podcast is found. We thank you for joining us today and hope to see you back the next time that we step into the arena of ideas. Have you ever wondered about the Christian faith, but have become bogged down by difficult terminology? Are you a Christian and faced doubts and you didn't know where to turn? Maybe your faith has been challenged and you don't know how to respond. Or perhaps you desire to learn more about how to winsomely defend your faith, but you do not have the time nor the finances to enroll in seminary. If any of these situations describes you, then consider purchasing a copy of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics. This book confronts the challenges facing the Christian faith, but does so in a way that is accessible to everyone. The Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics is available in softcover, hardcover, on the Kindle, and Nook. Consider purchasing a copy of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics from your favorite bookstore today.
Did you know that you can help the Bellator Christian Ministries by simply leaving a review? If you are enjoying this podcast, help us out by leaving a positive review on the app where this podcast is found. This helps increase the exposure of the podcast and helps others find it more easily. If you enjoy this podcast, leave a review. If not, send me an email. Either way, we want to thank you for supporting BellatorChristi.com and the Bellator Christi Podcast. Some say the best Bible translation is the one that's most literal, word for word, through and through. But there's not always a direct English translation of ancient words. So others say the best Bible translation should favor readability, thought for thought, holding on to the same meaning. But we can all agree that the very best Bible translation is one you trust and one that you want to read. One that stirs your heart and moves you to share its truth. The Christian Standard Bible has been shown to be an optimal blend of accuracy and readability compared to other leading translations. The very best balance, faithfulness to the original text, and clear language that connects to the heart. After all, it's not so much about changing your Bible translation, but about seeing the Bible change your life. Point your heart to true north. The Christian Standard Bible. The Christian Standard Bible is the official translation of BellatorChristi.com. Go pick up your translation of the CSB today.